This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast for the Blood Red channel. Uh, as you can probably tell, it's a different voice than usual hosting the show. Uh, this is Josh Williams speaking. Christian's having a week off, so the guest this week alongside me is the one and only David Hughes. How are you, mate? Yeah, I don't know if I've got one and only introduction, mate, but um, yeah, doing well. Uh, I apologise to everybody who will be disappointed that's not Mr Walsh on today, but um, just try and stick with us if you can and I'll uh, I'll do my best to make an enjoyable listen. Josh is here anyway, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those that don't know, um, David is, I've got the same bowl as me, uh, we're the two in the company that are responsible for providing football analysis. Um, scouting writers, we're technically called. Problem is, David's based in Manchester, mm-hmm. so we we don't usually get the chance to team up like this. Um, but as I said, today he's joining up with me. So, and another thing as well, he's blue. <laughs> so that'll be an interesting little perspective. That Funny we'll enough, I was thinking, I'm wearing a blue shirt today, <laughs> but that's not me trying to... Uh, Trying yeah. to make a point there, trust me, I uh, I do go to every Liverpool home game and I'm pretty laid back these days, so try and go easy on me if you don't mind. Yeah, you cover up there, don't you? Yeah. At, at, yeah. at Anfield. At Anfield, yeah, so I do watch a lot of the Reds and uh, yeah, enjoy watching how, how good they are at the moment. Yeah, well, uh, the international break anyway, coming to an end, um, thankfully, and we have Newcastle on the horizon. Just after that, we also have Napoli in the Champions League, so they're the two points we're really going to tackle. Um, in this episode, going to address the pair of them, and we'll start with obviously Newcastle. Steve Bruce coming to town, um, taking over from Rafa Benitez. I know that you've wrote about them very recently. You tackled that one, didn't you? Yeah, um, yeah, I did. I've wrote about them a fair bit. You know, players like Almiron, Joe Linton, but we'll we'll tackle that as we get into it. But uh, you know, just firstly, I think Newcastle safe to say very much the same team as as last season under Rafa Villianti, but with a few subtle adjustments, maybe. Yeah, definitely. I think. Everybody was waiting for the apocalypse, certainly in the northeast when when Rafa announced he was leaving and, and Bruce was coming in, but it hasn't quite panned out like that. Um they're almost very much the same side. Certainly in the last couple of weeks. And I think I think what's happened is really uh, it's the optimism that's gone in Newcastle in the sense that having Bruce rather than Rafa. You know, it looked like a new dawn for them. It didn't quite happen, but yeah, I mean, if you look at them even formationally now, they're, they're exactly the same as how they were, how they were last season. Yeah, I think this, I think in terms of style of play as well, it's still, still very defensive, still very old school in terms of like you know the old English kind of manager whereby you get turn behind the ball if you can, uh, when you haven't got it, no, no real intense press, um, quite reactive, and yeah, I think he's just trying to build on the foundations of last season, whereby he's just focused on counter attacking. Yeah, the funny with, thing, with slightly different players, maybe. Yeah, the funny thing was, I think he initially tried something a little bit different. Um, obviously, when we were looking over the data before the show, he started with a five-three-two, and those first initial two fixtures against Arsenal and Norwich, obviously they were two back-to-back defeats. The Arsenal one, there was no shame in, but shifting three goals against Norwich was a bit of a kick in the teeth for them, and he. Reverted back to that five-four-one that was well drilled, well drilled under Rafa, I should say. Um, yeah, and I think we're seeing a lot, lot of the hard work that Benitez has done over the past few years, kind of under this Bruce side now. Yeah, I mean, I looked at the possession numbers; still virtually the same. Um, thirty-eight point, thirty-eight point three. I think that says um, possession for the season so far. Obviously, only four games in, but only barely a post and less. Um, so obviously that places the emphasis on yourselves to to create. Mm. Um, I looked at Liverpool's fixture last season with them and at, at Anfield, and we interestingly, that was one of the fixtures we used four two three one. So we obviously yeah. bought Shakiri in. Maybe something that Klopp will look at again, considering he's mentioned about you know rotating and players not getting chances. And I think Shakiri. You're thinking about trying to basically carry the ball through rather than... Yeah, I just think it. it's it's a bit more of an offensive formation and I think considering Newcastle, I just... I think it's Shaqiri in the game and Shaqiri's, yeah. you know, above all else, he's very direct, takes a lot mm-hmm. of risks on the ball and, you know, you've got you to ask yourself against a team like this, a team like Newcastle, 
they're going to attack very little. I think that maybe in the top, in the bottom three, bottom four for shots taken. Mm. Um, another little thing I looked at as well. We I haven't I haven't previously addressed this stat. Found it before. Um, passes completed within an estimated twenty yards of goal of the opposing goal. Mm. Uh, Newcastle again second bottom ahead of only Burnley. They've only completed fourteen passes. Yeah. Uh, you know within twenty yards of goal. So. Liverpool, for example, on 37. So it just, you know, it offers an insight into what you're up against, why 4 2 3 1 and Shakiri might, might make a bit of sense. Um, and it's very much going to be about, you know, breaking down a, a defensive team and ultimately not conceding the first goal First goal for me. I think that's a big thing. Yeah, well, you saw it against Tottenham, didn't you? Uh, they got that goal and they basically just camped in then. I think what was interesting, I'm sure you've mentioned it many times on here, so I probably don't need to explain it, but, you know, PPDA, passes per defensive action, that's actually has risen so far this season. Now, I think, I'm, I know you will be, I'm sick of saying it, but I still think it needs to be said. The caveat is we're only four games in. We'll try and stop saying that every five <laughs> minutes because I'm sure yeah, no, over the international break, that's being rammed home, hasn't it? But Yeah, we spoke... We spoke. Last week, on, on last week's episode, that was a bit of a look back. But after every point we made, it was just like, we're four games in. We're yeah. four games in. So things can look crazy, but... So everybody, we're four games in, and we're aware that it's not a massive sample size. But anyway, yeah, that's that was 13.6 under Rafa last season as an average, and it's gone up to 17, 17.03. So it's something I have noticed. They, they, they do sit very deep. I joked with you, didn't I, before the show, that I think Van, Van Dyke's touch map will be... Yeah. more in Newcastle's half than it will in Liverpool's half um, so they are going to be a little going to need to be a little bit more creative when they're trying to break down Newcastle um, I think I think. I mean I, I watched the Spurs game when he, when he, Newcastle won 1-0 and Spurs generally dominated the play but it was very slow mm. he was just you know there was no it's all like dominating the possession but it's fairly easy to defend against if yeah. you just Sideways and you're playing about with it, and I think Liverpool, especially at Anfield, they've been really good at upping the intensity. If the ball goes out of play, get the ball back into play very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, making you deal with kind of a siege, really under siege for like certainly the opening half an hour. Yeah, and I totally. think I think as I said, I think gaining the lead is the, is the main thing here. I think that obviously Newcastle will come mainly to get away with a point you'd expect, but. You know, if they gain the lead, that gives them absolute reason to just completely not come out. And yeah. um, it's difficult to break down blocks like that. I think Liverpool are very good at it, don't get me wrong, but it makes the game a lot tricky if you don't score first. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. If they, you know, if they, And the thing is, we'll probably come on to them in a minute, but uh, they have got a little bit more threat now in attack with Joel Linton. Obviously, he scored the goal, didn't he, at Tottenham? He was only really... I don't know the exact numbers, but... I can't imagine he had more than maybe one, two shots across the whole 90 minutes. And he's converted one of them, hasn't he? Um, yeah, I'll check that now, actually. Yeah. So I think the, the, the other thing is, if we're, if we're looking at potential forget Newcastle have, which I don't think there'd be a lot of it, but you, you're going to imagine that, um, obviously, Trent and Robbo are going to be push, pushing on and there's going to be space in behind those areas. And a few times... They did make Spurs look a little bit vulnerable because they play with a similar tactic. And they have got pace, you know, they've got Atsu and Albert Almeron who can get in behind there to support them. And I think there will be a little bit of a risk at, with that. Um, maybe just a small caveat to, to keep in mind throughout the game. Yeah, I mean, talking about Joe Linton there, he's, he took three shots against Arsenal and two in every match since. So not that bad considering they've barely got the ball. No. And you just mentioned there about, you know, Almeron, Atsu. I think St. Maximum's injured. Yeah. But they're the types of players who, certainly against the top top opposition, um, you've obviously got your striker leaving the line and then you've got your two fast wide men as outlets on the yeah. flanks kind of thing. And then everything else is basically set up to defend. So I just think that they're very much a counter-attacking team. Um, and as I said, even though Spurs dominated possession, they had 75%, 769 passes to 190. <laughs> It's just crazy numbers, but you know. But even given that, Spurs didn't create that much. Um, about fourteen shots, it was two on target. Yeah, it's not a lot. Of it. But, th- but uh, this goes on to that point that we were saying that for for the all the stick that Newcastle get, I think they are actually a really good defensive unit. You mentioned that they've had how many years under Benitez? It was three. Bruce is from 
obviously that mindset as well. And I think they've got good defenders in there. So they're not going to be an easy side to break down by any means, are they really? No. Um, I looked at Liverpool's games last season against them and it was obviously a different manager, but we made real use of set pieces, I think. We won the game at St. James's Park with a Divacarigi header. We scored in that St. James's Park match with a Van Dijk header. At Anfield, Lovren scored. And there was one other as well. So I think something like... I'm not sure how many we scored against them, six or seven. But about four of them came from set pieces. Yeah. I'm not sure if they're still as vulnerable from those situations as they were last season, but... But we it's know Liverpool's still as good. At them, yeah, we? yeah, it's just a... Maybe that's a little bet that you can throw on or something yeah, like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Van Dijk first Are goal or something. Do we tip? Are we giving tips? I don't know, but maybe. Uh, free. I mean, if you've got it, something, never do it for free. <laughs> you know I mean? yeah, I did, I, I did find it interesting before when I was having a look that basically... If you bear in mind, you've had five fixtures so far, if you include the Carabao Cup game against Leicester. Um, that was Arsenal, Tottenham, Leicester, of course, and then it was Watford and Norwich. Norwich, yeah. And the only two sides who posted an, an XG of over one were, were Watford and Norwich, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, which, to me, says when they're in that defensive mindset, they are difficult to create chances against. And that's maybe when they want to come out and play a little bit more that that's when they're more vulnerable in those positions. Yeah, and, you know, to expand on that, uh, the only team so far to to score more than one goal in a match with Newcastle this season is Norwich with three. In every other match, the opponents have only scored a max of one and Newcastle have only scored a max of one, so I'm inclined to think this will be different because mm. it's Liverpool at Anfield. Yeah. But so am I, the, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, at least I'm not biased. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it just offers a bit of an insight into the opponent that we're up against. Uh, everyone kind of knows, I suppose. It's very similar to last week. The only difference is we're at Anfield, so we have to worry less about the opposition in comparison to Burnley last week, whereby, you know, things can get a little bit out of hand if you're away from home. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be a match that's, that's fairly expected. Um and I think the, th- the threats that we have to cater for, you know, I, I wrote about Joe Linton um, when he first signed. What have you thought about him so far? Um, Compared think, to what you might have thought was going to happen anyway, no, it's, it played it's, out how you expected. No, it's vaguely what I expected because he's, he's he's like a technical, less physical version of Rondon, really. Yeah. They didn't want to sign Rondon because he was getting, I think he's 29 maybe. Mm. They didn't want to pay a fee for him. He wanted to be a bit more sustainable, which is, you know, fair enough. Yeah. And they've went for a similar type in terms of big, tall, good with his feet, strong, you know, that kind of thing. But he, he still applies his game slightly differently. So I think Newcastle's general attack, like he started the season with Shelby, Almiron, and Joe Linton, I think, as his main attacking outlets. Mm. But I wrote about Shelby last week, and I think he's he's a bit of a luxury player. You've got to carry him. Yeah. And I think when they finally dropped him for the Spurs game, they obviously won. Mm. So I'm not. I I, th- I think they're still going for the same kind of attacking approach. They've just got slightly different players in in Joel Linton, who's different to Rondon. You know, he's going to lead the line differently. He uses his body not as well as Rondon does. Um, and I think Alan I wrote up with him when he signed as well. He's a player who. You know, he generally impressed me. Uh, he come across as a, a bit of an output kind of player as well. He, he does, you know, offer something that's quite tangible. Certainly in terms of goals. <laughs> yeah, and assists and things like that, yeah. But he's he's come across in England as a bit of a headless chicken. Mm. I don't know, don't know what yeah. you've seen of him. Well, yeah, I have to agree. He still hasn't scored, has he? Um, no, no. I'd, I'd, what's, I'll have to have a look now, but what's his goal creation like? Is he... I mean, obviously, we we have to keep in mind Newcastle are not a, yeah, well, an attacking side, are they? And maybe he's getting suffocated by that, by yeah, the tactic. That's a point worth making. When he when he did come over, I think plenty of people, plenty of people who follow, you know, MLS kind of thing, maybe, um, made the point of like good player, but he's coming to the wrong team. Really, mm. he's coming to the wrong setup. I think Rafa generally likes, you know, attackers who I've got a bit of flair about them, but. They've got the graft. They've yeah, got the graft side yeah, of it. He's, to, he's certainly got both. that. I think that's one of the reasons he was signed. Mm. But as I said, just without the team, without the support around him in attacking areas, 
I just think he's looked a, like a little bit of a headless chicken. He's certainly got something there. But um, I suppose in, in, in that game, you need that. Because um, you rely mainly on the counter-attack, aren't you? If you're playing for Newcastle as an yeah, attacker. Yeah. And you know who I actually have been surprised? He's done quite well for them. Is Atsu. I think he's, yeah. whilst he, he doesn't do it... At, it, numbers don't really show show how good he's been. If you watch him, he he kind of holds the ball up well, and he he, he gives defenders something to th- think about on the counter attack. I don't know if Almiron's really done that so far yet. Um, yeah, well, Atsu set up the assist for the Spurs game. Oh well, yeah, with, there, when he took the go. lead, yeah, he did. Joe Linton, yeah. that was Joe Linton's first goal as well, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just think I think they've, they've got attackers that are like that though. That that Saint Maximum's the same. Mm. Just in terms of, you know, physical attributes, solid, very fast, good dribbler, uh, but prone to being a bit all over the place, really. Yeah. I think St. Maximum last season was producing dribbling numbers that were just like 15 a match or something yeah, crazy, crazy like that. Yeah. Certainly 15 attempted. It's um, it's funny, if, if Newcastle weren't at Anfield this weekend, or not even playing Liverpool, actually, given the, the level that Liverpool are at the moment... You'd, you'd probably look more at that defence from an offensive point of view in terms of like Shaw, the way he can come out and carry the ball. And I think that they've got good win backs as well, to be fair to Newcastle. But you just can't really see how they're going to come into play, can you? On Adam Field at all. Can no. we see that happening? But no. Not to give Liverpool anything to think about in that regard, in fact. No, I think I think generally as as the season progresses, I think they'll be involved in a lot of games whereby the they lose or win one nil. I think there'll always be a goal in it with mm. Newcastle games. I just think at Anfield against Liverpool, we've obviously had a bit of a rest. I just think we'll be will probably be a bit a bit too much for them to be honest. Um, I mean, it, it it'll be interesting to see how we actually attack them because you 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 have that theory, don't you, in terms of Robertson and Trent maybe being a bit less effective in this game because of their their yeah. five four one kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's basically if. If you face for me, and it was only the back off a small sample size of research, but certainly on the back of maybe a five-man midfield or five-five in defence, where there's a lot of width in that defensive structure, I think you you ultimately block out those lanes for Trent and Robinson to attack. Um, I'm not saying Liverpool always struggle because they they still tend to win those games. But of course, they win most games, but they're not as free flowing as as they normally would be. Is what I've found, and this was, as I said, it was very small research. I'd have to look into it further, but it is only a theory at this stage. But it was why I was so perplexed at Arsenal's decision to play that diamond at Anfield. Yeah, it was well, crazy. I know you've probably gone over that a million and one times, but yeah, um, yeah. So I do. No, we did. We did address that. It- on an episode here, uh, just in terms of like they are really Liverpool's means of yeah entering the final third and and that kind of thing. So when you allow them the entirety of the flanks, they're gonna just play as wings, really. Yeah, that's it, and they can just get up and down without any issues. But the only uh, the thing with Liverpool is, of course, which is something I've spoke to you about separately that I really admire is. The tactic could be to play as, as they would, i.e. using these wing-backs, and Newcastle might try to suffocate those areas. But what I really, really like about Liverpool is the, the way they can adapt in-game to change the tactics. Yeah. Um, I used a, a, a really bad example of of Everton against Aston Villa. I thought Everton in that game tactically started the game perfectly. Yeah, they no, were on, they, they were on top, yeah, yeah definitely. On top for the first 20 minutes, but... They can see the goal against the runner play and they just don't know how to adapt. And I think that's the difference between a decent side and Liverpool, who are an excellent side, is they, they have more... Basically, you can stop them one way, but they'll they'll find another way to get through, yeah? And it'll be... I think that's what, that's what will be most interesting about this game on Saturday. I think the way Liverpool are going to maybe have to amend how they approach it. You touched on that they might change the formation. That wouldn't surprise me. You might bring someone in off the bench to to start. That wouldn't surprise me either. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they can actually break through Newcastle, which I'm sure they will. Yeah, I think on Liverpool adapting mid-game and things like that, I think it's one of the reasons that we're good at that kind of thing. Is that I think we're 
almost in a bit of a state of shock when we go down. When we when we mm. when we you know have a deficit and we have to we have to claw it back. I think it was there's a a bit of surprise there. I remember last season when Arsenal took the lead at Anfield, and we just it, it was almost like the, the made us angry uh, because we we hit back. I think maybe three by half time. Firmino was on fire. Beat them five one. I think in the end. Mm. Uh, but that's that, that's the perks of building the squad. That's that's you know versatile, flexible, um, and I think that's one of the things I've said in the show is that like one of the main differences I think between Liverpool and City is that I get the impression Guardiola's a, a real micromanager, like mm. you know, almost like doing the thinking for his players kind of thing. And I think yeah. Klopp is a, is more. He'll give you the tools to sort it out, but he'll let you do it. Um, and I think as a result, it's, it's resulted in Liverpool being a lot more, just a lot more streetwise than City, a lot more adaptable, a lot more able to cope, hence why we do so well in Europe compared yeah. to them. Uh, I mean, I totally, totally agree with that. I think, you know, you look at Guardiola and he, he, the best way I could describe it is he kind of has like his way of playing and then it's it's almost... If that's not working, well, we just need to get back better at that way. And I think yeah. to an extent, Liverpool maybe. Obviously, we've had the the piece that we worked on together, looking at the evolution of. Yeah, I was going to mention that then. Yeah, on the Klopp, you know, he Liverpool maybe had a set way of playing for an X amount of time, or different variations of how to play. But now it feels like the masters of adapting their tactics to the opposition that they're facing. Yeah, um, I, I I said last week to Chris. Um, I compared this somewhat reluctantly to the best United sides under Ferguson because mm. I think I think United at the best were just complete like pragmatists. Yeah. Whatever the task was at hand, they would just adapt to yeah. to cope. If they had to counter attack, they would. If they had to dominate possession and break a team down, they would. If they had to soak pressure, they would. You know that kind of thing. Mm. If they if they had to have a scrap, that kind of thing. Whatever yeah. it, whatever it may be, yeah. they'd be able to cope and they'd be able to mix it. And I think Liverpool are very similar now, just because of, as I said, the flexibility in the squad, um, the strength of the you know the general dressing room. You get the impression yeah. that Klopp has to do a lot of, um, sorry, he has to do very little of, you know, taking care of things. You almost get the impression that the dressing room manages itself, kind of thing. So, yeah, there's there's so much to it. Like there's such a backbone to the side, isn't it? Like you don't. There's nowhere in this. There's nowhere for me now where Liverpool would go, and I think. Pfft, Going for the rough day there, they're not going to be able to hold hold on to the position, hold on to the game. They're going to be yeah. roughed up. And uh, in fact, Burnley, Burnley was yeah. Well, last last week I said I do Chris, listen to the show every week. By the way, gents, so I'm do you? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know that one. <laughs> no, I said last week. Uh, this was great for me, mate. I've been wanting to come <laughs> on for ages. Go on, listen up. <laughs> uh, no, I said last week that Liverpool had seemed not like. They can't be bullied anymore, I don't mm. think. And I, I think yeah, you saw yeah. that last week because Burnley plays Sunday league football for me, and mm. that's a compliment as well. Yeah, no, in a yeah. way, you know, it's it's their own game that they have to impose on teams to mm. to to cope really to compete. And I think it's difficult to deal with, hence why they overperform on on on, on things like that. Yeah. Um, but I think Newcastle should the match should generally go our way more than. More than last week, certainly. I think it should generally we we should generally be in control a lot more than last week. I think in a perfect situation, if I was about to say if we can go up one nil there, I meant <laughs> if if Liverpool can go up one nil early on, I think I think they'll be all right. Then I think they probably pick up two or three more before half time. Yeah, um, as I said, I think taking the lead's the important thing. Yeah, um, be really really intense, really really fast, high tempo up until that first goal. I think, and then. Once you've got that sorted, I think I think yeah, going through the motions to an extent. Yeah. Um. Just on you know on that trend thing, the trends and Robertson potentially having to you know maybe stay a bit deeper or having mm. less of an influence going forward. One of the the ways in which we can cope with that this season is we obviously have Ox now. We yeah. didn't we didn't have him last season, and he offers a, a bit of a different dimension to what we've currently got in midfield in terms of. He can actually operate as a you know a situational fourth attacker if he's needed to, whereas Henderson doesn't have much of an offensive you know impact at all. Milner's vaguely similar. Wijnaldum is an enigma. Oh, we know yeah. this. You know he scored in all kinds for Holland, but it's then bonkers. Uh, he's, he, it's bonkers that situation. Yeah, honestly, he's a chameleon. 
I compared them yesterday on Twitter to uh, Ditto from Pokemon. <laughs> Just because whatever you need him to be, he becomes that, I think. What? Do, do you think he would ever do that role at Liverpool? Did, I don't know. I, I can't really... Did, did he eventually come in and was he initially being used like that? I can't remember now. It feels like he's been part of this perfect three-man midfield. Well, I know a lot of Liverpool fans don't think it's perfect, but... For me, it is. I think for the, for this side, it's functional, it's, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Functional yeah. midfield. Um, but yeah, I can only really, really remember them playing that role. I can't remember them playing this Holland role for Liverpool. But that's kind of why I assume he was brought in. Yeah, no, we we signed him on the back of him scoring a hat against us. Yeah, at for yeah. Newcastle at St James's Park, horrible game. Um, <laughs> oh, I had well, a distant memory much. those games, <laughs> mate. For now, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, even being totally honest, I don't think he's good enough. To, to fulfil that role for Liverpool no yeah to be you know a number 10 for Liverpool you've got to offer an awful lot you know what I mean um, and I don't think Wijnaldum I mean he, he offers a fair amount going forward he clearly scores for Holland and things like that but I think I don't think Holland have got as good as uh, as many options as Liverpool no the thing uh, is, is it, areas. although it might have been like this 20-25 years ago club sides are better a lot of the time than international teams now you know you'd, you'd pit Liverpool to beat um, Holland, wouldn't you? Yeah. Match. He, he, uh, providing he had some, you know, like Van Dijk on playing in Liverpool's share. But, um, and I agree, I think Liverpool have got more talents and they're, they're just the way they've set up is, I think he, I'm not sure he could actually have the same impact. I don't know. Yeah, I just don't think he's, he's good enough offensively to, to play an offensive role for Liverpool. I think he's, he, I, do, I do actually think he was signed as a central midfielder. Mm. I think Klopp had a you know perception of him that he's he's versatile. I can use him where I need to use him. Mm. He's almost like a deeper version of Firmino in that sense, yeah. whereby you know anywhere I need him kind of thing. I mean, he's played centre back for us. Yeah, know, played centre back away to Brighton. Um, just going back to sorry, just going back to the Oxlade Chamberlain point because the reason I want to is because I, I totally agree with you. Um, I, I was surprised that he. I know he was only he's only given a little bit of time there, but I was surprised he couldn't have maybe filled in at that left side of the tackle role because certainly looking at the data, I, I know you've I, I, you've maybe disagreed in the past, but I think he's just he's a good dribbler, good runner with the ball, and it just seems like he could he could be I don't know he could be an option there, but it, yeah, it doesn't no, seem to work out has it so far. No, I totally agree. I think on paper he should be able to act as a as a man a backup yeah. kind of thing, but he he just doesn't, doesn't. seem to do it. Yeah. Whenever he's played there, he doesn't seem to have any kind of influence at all. On paper, he's what do you think it is? I'm not sure. On paper, he's quick. He's obviously strong. Mm. He's got the capabilities to run in behind. I don't think he's as much of a... I don't think he's got the poaching instinct of, of mainly, maybe Mane and Salah, but... The, the same dynamic is is still there. It just seems to be like whenever he plays there, he doesn't quite understand the intricacies of the role. Maybe his, his close touch, his ability in tight spaces isn't, isn't as good as Mane's. Maybe mm. I'm not sure. It's weird. Do you think it? So you know the way, obviously, those front three, they, the way they work together so perfectly. Do you think he maybe just hasn't got that same kind of understanding? Like, could, could you imagine them maybe cutting over to the Salah's right? If they swap sides and just being that interchangeable, do you think he's got that in him? I just think he's he's less he's less of an attacker. He's less natural in attacking areas, mm. and you see his best when you play him in central midfield. Mm. I think say say if you was to play Salah on the left, which I don't think Klopp has done once, you would see that he it maybe he'd make awkward runs and things like that because mm. they're not coming natural to him and stuff, and that's what it looks like with Ox, even though he's. Right-footed, playing on the left, quick, should be able to cut inside and shoot kind of thing, similar dynamic. He just doesn't seem to to cope as well as you'd expect him to. Yeah. Um, but as a midfield option, he can provide that situational fourth attacker dynamic that we, we, we tend to miss if we're playing a team that stops since Ann Robertson. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. One of those teams, we'll move on, is Napoli. <laughs> um, yeah. Because last season, they certainly did that. Uh, it was, for me, 
I think it's safe to say our worst performance of the season. I'd go, I'd go, I'd go as far as saying that, mm. uh, and the stats backed that up because you know they're, they're not good stats at all. I think we had we had four shots in the match, according to White Scouts at least, zero on target, an xG of zero point one five, which is just considering we went on to win the tournament, really really bad. So hopefully this time around, you know, we'll be a different team. Um, I just wonder if I know that was the only time all season in any competition that Liverpool didn't have a shot on target but do you think that was probably their lowest XG it's got to be hasn't it surely probably that's probably worth checking yeah but yeah. we just there was just a major disconnect between the midfield and the attack um, and you can, we, had, we were combining that with you know we were going through a period of development at the time whereby we were trying to do that whole Soak pressure thing, yeah. Um, because we we had a period uh, we voted. I voted in that piece, the duo piece that we've just done, yeah. Whereby Liverpool just couldn't hang on to leads, um. And I think last season at the start, we went through a development phase whereby Klopp was instructing us to press a bit less, yeah, soak yeah. things a bit more, and learn how to do it almost. So we was doing that away at Napoli, tough ground. Um, good on the ball as well to be fair and especially in the middle Napoli yeah uh, it was just a, a bad mix well just on that point um, I'm, I, ironically leads on to it but again looking at PPDA and I had looked at Liverpool's average you know, away in the Champions League was 11.95 last season in Naples it was 21.28 which yeah. you know that's that's very yeah, that's lax, deep for Liverpool it? yeah yeah, it's very deep and I remember that at the time, Klopp certainly in the in the second meeting at Anfield. Obviously, Liverpool was so much better in that game. I know they only won one nil, but Liverpool were it was chalk and cheese, really, wasn't it? And I think Klopp did allude to the fact that he said about um, give them too much respect on the on the ball over in the away game, and at home they didn't have that same comfort. I don't think at Anfield and. Um, I think a lot of that come down to how aggressive they were pressing the ball. Um, so I, I don't know if that if they've learned anything from those games for for that meeting. Yeah, we just we just weren't set up to we, we weren't compact at all. When when we were going forward, we weren't compact. Hence why the front three were isolated, mm. and defensively we weren't either because they were playing through us. We couldn't escape our own half. Mm. Obviously, the pressing was very um, reactive. Let's say and. It just it was just a bad game for us. Having said that, I think on the day, I think Ancelotti got a spot on because yeah. he um, he included like a, a really it's quite simple, but it, it was it was an effective ploy. He um, he employed his usual four four two, but obviously appreciating the quality of Salah and the quality of Koulibaly, mm. he instructed his left back to push on and act as like a means of uh, progressing into the final third for Napoli. And then Koulibaly shuffles over. Albiol, maybe it was, shuffles over. And Napoli's right-back also shuffles over. So it was our front three versus the three of their defenders. Mm. But Koulibaly was up against Salah. And it just just worked. Yeah, perfectly. uh, Because it it constantly offered them an outlet into our final third Mm. with that Mario Louis. And going forward, our front three would almost be a man-marked whilst being isolated. So it was just a, a dream for Napoli on the day, I'd say. Yeah. You know, Ancelotti obviously proven that he's got, still got it tactically and things. Yeah, because you forget actually, don't you, that because of how good Liverpool were last season, obviously Champions League win to top it off. But you forget that there was quite a few arguments and uh, discussions about how sometimes that front three were isolated, weren't they, because of the... The midfield that's deployed, which we've just been raving about, funny enough. But yeah. um, that was probably a really good example of it, wasn't it? Where it was just if they if they are in those a three a three v three situation and they've got no support as well from attacking point of view, then it's difficult to even for them to really create anything. Yeah, I mean uh, that midfield. I've wrote plenty of times that that midfield is fine, providing you're getting certain qualities from elsewhere, mm. and we get that from our fullbacks. Yeah. Um, that's 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 always the case. If you're not getting that, that midfield. When I say that midfield, I'm talking about like a midfield of workhorses, really, without any real creative flair in there. Very industrial. 
Yeah, very industrious. Yeah, uh, I think it's 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 just part of a functional system whereby we have balance overall. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of times last season, because of a, a lack of ox and B Naby being injured a couple of times, I just think we lacked we lacked that midfield offensive presence when we needed it occasionally. And mm. I think Napoli away was one of those days. Um, but you know, as always, it's it's just about making the system functional. Yeah. And I think now that we've got Ox, like, like I've just been, I'm in the middle right now of writing a piece on, on Rashford for the mm. MEN, aren't I? Yeah. And they've asked, you know, what's his best position kind of thing. And it depends. Yeah. As always, it depends on, 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 on the surroundings kind of thing. And if you've got Harry Kane up front for England, yeah, Rashford's obviously better deployed on the left. Whereas if, you, if you're Man United and you haven't got a striker, it's a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, you're spot on. Yeah, the, the, the players around them make, make the difference and United haven't got it. Harry Kane, so so all well and good saying that he's better, Rashford's better on the left, but then who are you putting? Who are you putting through the middle? Yeah, exactly. So I think I think you know I've been asked plenty plenty of times. Oaks, you know, when he was returning back from injury last season, obviously we got a bit carried away because he wasn't exactly ready. No, but I've always said that what he will offer is key for for this kind of match, this kind of game whereby you're away from home. It might be a bit trickier to get up and support the front three. Yeah. But because of how mobile he is, his power, you know, speed, um, you know, his energy and things like that, he can do that almost hybrid role. Yeah. Whereby he's a midfielder before you know when he's an attacker, then he's a midfielder again, and you know that kind of thing. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he's used, um, because it's you know for me, considering the threats of Napoli, I think away in Naples, I think will. We'll use Joe Gomez as the right back to yeah. cater for Insigne, and I think we'll deploy Ox in the midfield. That's just a you know a, a hunch that I've got based on last season, and you know taking care of those threats that the opposing team have got, kind of thing. That's the thing, is it? We, I'm sure we'll come on to that now. But if there's one thing that you can see from Napoli already, they've they've had two, four, three fixtures, one that went the way and one that didn't. But it's clear that they can score goals, isn't it? Because Four came against Fiorentina and the other three came against Juventus. Yeah, uh, well, it's worth elaborating on that. That they're only, I think, the two games in, aren't they? Yeah. Um. Obviously, the, the, both matches have finished four three, which you know was, doesn't happen very often. No. He won one, lost one, didn't he? Yeah, won one. So the uh, and even the the game that they lost to Juventus was unlucky. Yeah. Last game of the game, really, yeah, man. own goal. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, but what it, well, it shows is Liverpool will probably be given chances, but equally they're a strong side and attack. And obviously they've they've spent. They've, I think they bought pretty well this year. They have. Uh, one thing I was going to say was on the, on those four threes. It's uh, somewhat surprising considering they've just bought Manolas from mm. from Roma, so they've got a centre back pairing of of Koulibaly and Manolas. So you know, there's a fair bit of strength there. That's, yeah, that, that that's who elite players for me. So I, I watched a little bit of. Um, the highlights of those games and Koulibaly, he, he, he's a he's a he's a beast, isn't he? But at the same time, there's I don't know. He seems to have this fragility in his. In I think his... he's a he's one of the closest out there to Van Dijk yeah. in terms of having a complete game. But I think maybe Van Dijk's just got that bit more cool-headedness yeah. about him. Well, he's bit... the one who we should have said. He's the one who actually scores the own goal in the last minute for Juventus. Yeah, yeah. and there's a. There's a goal that you can see it may have been against Fiorentina where he gets turned on the edge of the six-yard box and it's a nice turn but you just couldn't imagine someone doing that to Van Dijk I don't think yeah. in a Liverpool shirt. Well, in the second fixture we faced Napoli last season mm. to, to actually get through the group Salah scored our only goal we beat them 1-0 and he gets the better of Koulibaly in the moment so, you know, Koulibaly gets talked up he's a superb defender he's got an absolute ton of, of useful traits but I think you know Van Dijk's on a different level to him yeah. for me just not by a great deal but I think Van Dijk's just you know that, that more that more complete that more mentally uh, cool yeah. and composed and able to assess situations for me there's a bigger gap then than probably it is for you actually I think Van Dijk's if you look at the data obviously he's a fantastic player but I, I think Van Dijk just for the purpose of what you've just said there, just for that reason. I think he does have such an aura about him now and I'd still be confident that Liverpool could force an error of the Koulibaly over there. You know, maybe quick 
Salah's quick feet or something, or yeah. still turn him. I, I, I'd be surprised if that would happen to Van Dijk. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I mean, Napoli's still, still vaguely similar to, well, more, more than vaguely to be honest, compared to last season. Still, still very much four four two, four four one one kind of thing. Um, Mertens has been leading the line with Milikaus injured. Um, the man who had the the infamous mm. chance at Anfield to knock us out, and yeah. Allison made the big save. Uh, and I've got Fabian Ruiz playing as as number ten so far this season, right like mm. behind him, uh, which is an interesting little move. Yeah. I think he played in the left last season yeah, in, in, in a four four two. Um, but yeah, just just on 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 Napoli's signings then over the course of the summer because that, that that that's obviously what makes them a different team compared to the team that we're facing now. We're still obviously very much the same. We've signed virtually nobody, but mm. we've lost a few. Um, they, they obviously moved to sign Manolas, who we've mentioned, uh, Herving Lozano, who was you know many have talked up in, in reference to a move to Liverpool from PSV. Uh, a keeper called Alex Merritt. And another lad called, I'm going to butcher this name, Ejif Elmas. Oh, I'm, so glad you, actually, I'm so glad you said it. I've actually voted about <laughs> yeah. him last season. I think he was linked to maybe Newcastle. Yeah. And he, he's, I think he was only 19 at the time. But he come across as a very, just a, a technically clean Andre Gomez type player. <laughs> you know, one of them who doesn't offer particularly output that's measurable yeah. but he's just clean he's just, just one looks of good on the, as the eye, on the eye test so to speak yeah, yeah tidy look, player yeah. but considering he's he was still a teenager at the time it's mm. probably not a bad move for him yeah but yeah you know they've made a few a few big signs there I think Lozano's the big one isn't he yeah I think so he's about what was it 20 odd goals last season um, yeah I'll I mean, check it, exactly what it is now but um, yeah it, it was a strange one with him because he, he was linked with Liverpool was he, was he linked with Everton yeah, so, but he was linked with everybody, to be honest. Yeah. Um, let's not talk about Everton anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, he was. He was. He was linked with a host of clubs, and I think his on, on all the dates he looked fantastic. Um, I'm sure you'll you'll bring it up now, Josh. But yeah, just checking now. Yeah, he um, on paper he looked a, a striker of an elite level, but it seemed like nobody was going to make make the move for him. Um, and then very late on, I think it was Napoli of. Took a took a punt on him, which I kind of understand because it's that fear of recruiting from the from the Dutch league, isn't it? You you never know, never quite know what you're going to get in terms yeah, of yeah, if the ability is going to translate. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, it's it's really difficult. You've seen plenty come over and, and fail or move to bigger leagues. And it's not quite worked out, but equally there's plenty of good examples as well. I think if anyone's got the chance he's going to be a player who can do it. I mean, he's already scored his first goal for Napoli. I think that came against, was it Fiorentino's debut? he come on for... Um, I thought it was Juve. Might have been Juve, yeah. And he'd sure. he come on for... Um, Insigne. Insigne, yeah. We'll get on to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can't wait for that. Yeah. Um, Mr. Shot himself. So, <laughs> yeah, he, he comes on, he gets his first goals and I expect a lot more to come. It wouldn't surprise me if he actually starts against Liverpool next week. Um, and he could yeah, give I mean, the defence something to think about. Yeah, just on his numbers last season, he played he played about 3,300 minutes uh, in you know all competitions, all, all club competitions at least. And he scored 21, assist and six. Uh, takes a fair amount of shots as well. Shoots, a, well, more than Mane, less than Salah. So, you know, somewhere in between that. Nice gauge um, there, mate. Say that again. <laughs> nice gauge there. Yeah. <laughs> Just providing a bit of context. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, very versatile player. It looks to me like last season he primarily played on the right, even though he's right-footed. Which might be yeah, it's normally the opposite way now, isn't it? You see a lot of players uh, basically then, for the purpose of cutting in and shooting. Yeah, but then a shot map looks as though it's... It's a healthy shot map. Left-sided. Yeah. Uh, which is strange, but... But may- maybe, I mean, we'd have to probably spend a bit longer than 30 seconds with me looking at PSV, <laughs> yeah. but maybe they build down the left and he's, he comes and drifts inside and into the box. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's possible. But he's, you know, he's certainly a good signer for me. I'm, I'm not sure if he's been signed to, to play as a starter from the off. Mm. Might be a, a replacement for, for Insigne, who is... Is he 29, maybe? Something yeah, like he's that. getting on now, yeah. Uh, but we'll, 
we'll move on anyway to, to Napoli's threats and we'll start with the man in question, Insigne, who <laughs> I mentioned last week. Uh, something you just wouldn't expect. He's He shoots an, a great deal and he's not particularly productive with it. Uh, we know exactly the type of threat that it is. It's the kind of Ian Robin threat whereby mm. he's cutting in from the flank. Yeah. But I think Robin, I think A, he converted more. B, he shot a little bit less. And C, he got into a, a closer, better position before letting letting rip kind of thing. Whereas yeah. I think Insigne is inclined to just have a go for him anywhere where, you know, he might score a few and look great. Hopefully he doesn't against Liverpool. But it's, it's still nevertheless a threat that you've probably got to keep. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it goes down again, doesn't it, to, the, to that high high output but low quality chances that you, Liverpool would probably be pretty content to see him taking these pot shots from... No, if he takes five shots but they go from 40 yards out, we're going to be... Yeah, well, yeah there there's a shot map there. Looking at the shot map there, and what would you say, about maybe 50% of, from outside the box? Yeah, I'd say... Yeah, there's, there's, there's tons of efforts there that you, you almost want them to take because they're not going to go in. Yeah, I think, in fact, I don't think he's got one last season outside the area. Few on target, most of them off target. So he's he's a type of player looking at that. To be honest, what you get from that is keep him outside the box. Yeah. If you keep him outside the box, you won't score. It's as simple as that, really. Um, obviously a good player. Um, tactically very good. Strong, even you know, short and stocky kind of thing, but obviously he's he's a bit a bit lapsed in his decision making. Obviously, he's shooting from areas that you, you maybe you can be a bit more efficient, mm. kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So he's a player that we'll obviously have to watch. Um. Who else? We've got Mertens up front. Obviously. Yeah. He had his best time on the side for me. I don't. I don't think he's. I, I, how's he done in the past past year? I'm not even sure on that one to be honest. But I, th- I think I think generally I think on the Saturday he was taking something like four point five five shots a game or something like that. I think um, I think I'd I'd generally rather Millic play. Um, sorry, I'd, I'd rather Maitland's play than Millic. I think just simply because I think it's it's going to be easier for our centre backs to deal with him as as opposed to Millic. Yeah, well, he's I mean he's he's thirty two now, isn't he? Maitland's yeah. Oh, you wouldn't think that, would you? It feels like he's only been on the scene for about four years. Obviously, since Sadie's uh, since Sadie's rise. Yeah, I know, but it does. It, it's one of those maybe one of those players who just kind of becomes on the scene quite late. And obviously, if you look at the way Napoli as a, as a club, I suppose have developed over the last five or six years, um, in t- in terms of becoming a well kind of considered good side who consistently make the Champions League and stuff. He's been part of that, but. It's uh, yeah. I, I expect him to be shown the door. In fact, who was it that went to China this very recently? I can't, I'll come back to it anyway. But I yeah, I expect him to. He's a little bit of the old guard now, and I think he uh, yeah. I think Liverpool probably prefer to be facing facing him in a week in a week's time. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they've generally got a good side. Uh, you know, full of players that I think would take Liverpool's interest. To be honest, they've got Zelinski in there. We were, we were linked with once. That Allen's obviously a great player. He played. He was superb against us last season in both legs, I think. Yeah. Um, obviously got a good centre back pairing. Um, so th- there's obviously threats there we have to cater for. I just think, I think we love we're very good at learning from lessons, learning from mistakes. Liverpool, and I think we'll we'll go there knowing a bit more what to expect, a bit more what we have to do, yeah. and um, hopefully they'll continue to lead goals. Although I'm not particularly certain that they've deserved to concede seven. So far, um, I think based on XG, they should have conceded about four. Yeah, and one of them goals was a penalty as well against Fiorentina. Mm. So you know maybe they've been yeah, a bit harshly well, done by I there. I mean, the, the penalty skews that, but you'd still would you'd still make an argument that I mean, as I said, the penalty skews it, but two two per ninety over two games XG wise is still quite high, isn't it? Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's you still want. even high quality chances away. So and I, I just think. And I th- yeah, they, they provide something attacking-wise that's going to maybe test Liverpool, but I just think, you know, even if they find a way to get a goal against Liverpool, you could imagine Liverpool to get two or three. Yeah. Um, and I think that'll prove to be the difference. I mean, what are Liverpool averaging? It must be over about three goals a game. This season? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure on that. I haven't checked that one. 
No, maybe a little bit less. But yeah, I um, check that man. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think the even if they've they've got that quality there to to uh, find in there, so I can just see Liverpool outscoring them. Yeah, I think they have two point five at the minute. That's, that's including the Shield and the Super Cup as well. Oh, okay, yeah. So two point five goals. Mm. Um, yeah, I, th- I just think it's going to be better fixtures than last year, hopefully. Uh, and I think at the same time, we just mentioned about Napoli leaking goals there. Even if they don't deserve to be conceding as many as they are, if you are conceding that many, might get in your head. The last team you want to face when you're having any kind of doubts about the way about your own defensive capabilities is Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Um, Accurate goal scorers, pretty much. Yeah, Accurate yeah. Penalties. Yeah. That's that'll uh, test you going both ways and things like that. So. Mm. Difficult side to face, and it'll you know it'll be an interesting match. We'll obviously be reviewing, reviewing that match next week. Definitely. And we haven't actually addressed on this show Liverpool's group um, since it was drawn. We talked beforehand about it. The other two teams we got drawn alongside are Salzburg and Genk. Uh, Favourable group, I'd say. Uh, we'll just touch on them slightly because you know we're obviously going to expand on it when when it comes around to facing them, but just. General thoughts on on either of those two teams? Yeah, um, Salzburg will be interesting. You know, yeah, I, I think that. Yeah. yeah, I like that whole. Is is it a horrible term to use the franchise? No, 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 I think that's fair in this yeah. case. But I like the I like the recruitment they do. Um, I think it's a good network, and I think they'll. Uh, I haven't looked into them as much as I, as I would have liked, but I, I I like the I like normally how those sides play. Um, the only thing is, I just think the Austrian league is the Austrian Bundesliga. It is, I yeah, believe, yeah. yeah. I think that's going to be the quality there is nothing compared to what Liverpool will bring, and it could just be too much. But it'll be interesting to see how they play. Um, they've got well, that Schlager, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good player. Yeah. I think I think they've still got him. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. they are. It's hard to hard to keep his track, but I know. Uh, yeah, good player. Yeah, and then. Genke, I can't, I can't see. No, he Genk. got signed. He got signed. Oh, did he? Yeah, he got took to Wolfsburg by oh. the guy who's just left, Marco Rose. Oh, that's heartbreaking, that. Um, Should be doing our research. So he's, he's obviously took his best <laughs> player Christian over there. Christian Walsh was here, he would have realised this. <laughs> <laughs> he's obviously took his best player over there, kind yeah. of thing. But, I think but then that's that's part of their model, isn't it? They don't they don't intend no. to hold on to players. They're quite happy to no. bring them through and make profits on them. And um, Yeah, I think someone on my Twitter this week made a good point about them. It's it's almost like a a university graduate scheme yeah. whereby you move from I think it's I think you pronounce it FC Leverink, is it? Yeah, um, I know exactly. To yeah. Salzburg to Leipzig, and then you probably if you if you hit them heights, you're getting sold. Yeah, the likes of Naby Keita's moved from Salzburg. I think he's done the whole thing, in fact, and then to Liverpool. Yeah, and we got Manig from Salzburg. Yeah, um, but I think generally Red Red Bull is just a focused on promoting their own brand through football, so their football teams have to capture what the energy drink's about by playing attractive, <laughs> attacking, energetic Mate, football. I've never put that two and two together, but yeah, that, I that, fully that's relatable yeah, to that's it, honestly yeah. what it is. That's honestly what it is. Is it's, it really? It's just yeah. the marketing yeah. means, yeah. Just promote the brand. Um, so if you watch Salzburg, it's very you know vertical football, front to back, pressing, chaos, and... That's very much what Liverpool were about, or, or certainly were about initially in Klopp's first maybe two seasons. Yeah. So I've already suggested that they should be two very entertaining fixtures between two teams that are intent on getting from A to B quickly, yeah. and they're not really interested in everything between. Yeah. Um, and Genk, I think the first thing that comes to mind regarding Genk is, is Sanderberg. Oh, the uh, midfielder. Yeah. yeah, he got linked with Everton, I think, didn't he? Yeah, the, um, another, I say another, <laughs> this again, I gave a replacement, but yeah, the... Uh, Norwegian, isn't he? Yeah, looks a very, very good player then. Um, I think, I actually think his ceiling's going to be higher than Everton's. Um, only looking when were, those links were there, the, I think he was... Passing of upwards of ninety percent, really good at reading the game, reading intercept, making interceptions. Sorry, and um, still only twenty one. Twenty one, yeah. So yeah, I think the ceiling's going to be high, and you're probably looking at a 
a club the size of, not yet, but maybe in about five years' time, you're looking at a kind of a, a Liverpool, maybe, you know, even like a, a maybe Barcelona, a Spurs or something you know, like that. Spurs, yeah. But I think I don't know if I put Spurs in that group, to be honest with you. <laughs> even I, though I, I, I do rate Spurs, of course, and uh, Pochettino, but yeah, I think he could go to be in the top kind of zero point one percent. Yeah, well, I thought that about Ndombele and little way is now. Yeah, so. true. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but I think one thing on Sanderberg that you that, that I pick up on is just you know his physicality. Considering this, I mean, he's now twenty one, so technically now he's stopped growing. Mm. But at nineteen, he was really standing out as a really physically built midfielder. Yeah. Who also had a bit of technical ability, a bit like a little bit like Marco Grujic to an to, to an extent mm. in terms of his build, whilst boasting a technical proficiency on the ball. Yeah, uh, but other than that, they've got a striker lad up front who I wrote about regarding Cardiff City a while ago. They were linked with him. Can't I can't remember his name. Samata. Uh, uh, first name begins with M, and his second name is Samata. Belgian. Belgian I'll be honest, not even on my radar. So no, he, I mean yeah. I don't know why he was on Cardiff. <laughs> <to be honest. laughs> but uh, I think generally they're a team that shouldn't really be able to cope with Liverpool. No, I think Liverpool yeah. will be able to rotate a fair amount for. For both fixtures, really. Yeah, I think well, uh, from a purely, um, I don't know, a, a neutral point of view, I guess, I think it'll be interesting games of football to watch, won't they? Um, I think all three sides play. I hate this term. I hate it, but I can't think of another term. If they play a, a, the right way or a nice yeah. way, an Aste- enjoyable aesthetically way, aesthetically pleasing, aesthetically pleasing, correct? Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it was a, a perfect well for Liverpool. I think it's a group they should progress out of quite comfortably, but also there'll be some interesting games and maybe some interesting scouting opportunities as well. Yeah, that's a good point. It's worth noting as well that all three are relatively close by in terms of travel, which is obviously mm, ideal for massive. the European fixtures. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I, th- I think Liverpool, compared to last year, certainly should just generally progress from the group fairly easily, I'd say. I think it's up between us and Napoli who... Um, who actually achieves top spot kind of thing? Yeah, but I don't envisage any kind of problems this season regarding the Champions League group stages. If you think, yeah, if you compare that to to last season as well, it 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 becomes such a big fixture so early on in the season that Napoli game at home, didn't it? And now there should be none of that. Just be a lot of concentration on. Well, we had PSG as well. We had yeah, PSG well, that's twice, it. and yeah. you know that's distracting you from league fixtures that you don't really want. You want to just. Gain as much of a lead over City really as, as you can, as as hard as that is to do. Um, you got two points so far. Just to, two, yeah, yeah. We'll just keep just keep that, and you'll be all right. Yeah. Uh, so to round off, I think verdicts: uh, Liverpool, Newcastle. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, it, it may take half an hour or so to break them down, but after that, I fancy Liverpool to bag a couple more. I'm going to go three 0 Liverpool. Yeah, I think I'd back that up myself. I think I'd go for three or four. Great man. Yeah, and I don't think that doubt will concede. To be honest, I can't yeah, see us conceding. Newcastle are really they just haven't got much going forward. I think I think that's that's what they're still working to fix. I think defensively they're quite sound, but going forward they just haven't got a great deal there. I also think they'll probably never get that balance right. I think if they try and attack more, they're just that defensive. Yeah, they end up opening yeah, up because yeah. the way it is. So yeah, that, I, I, the only way I can see them scoring Anfield is if it's a bit of a fluke. Yeah. And then Napoli, tough one. Yeah, it is. I think that's a that's going to be. This is probably Liverpool's hardest Champions League game at the group stage, anyway. Um, away from home, but I still, I'd still back them. I think, I think Liverpool. It might, it could, they could, it could be goals in the game. I'm going to go three two Liverpool. I think on that one, I'm going to go. I mean, obviously, these are complete random predictions based on very little data, kind of mm. thing. Of you know, you can't really make predictions. Uh, as accurately as that but I think I'd go 2-1 Liverpool uh, I don't think it'll be a nice fixture tough away fixture tough away ground but I think Liverpool are uh, you know now going there as European champions mm. aware of what the mistakes were last season now have a player in Ox who's, who's capable of um, solving that kind of thing and yeah, it's just uh, you know I think I think we'll, we'll run out winners hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, so we'll round it off there anyway. Thanks very much for joining us, Dave. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, it's good to be on, mate. And hopefully, people stuck around to to listen and not mourn the missing <laughs> of Christian Walsh too much. I can show he's well. He's uh, 
I don't know. What is he doing today? I'm not sure. As far as I'm aware, anyway, he is. He's going to return next week. Yeah. I mean, unless something else happens. Just before we round off the podcast, we're going to light a candle on his name. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you can feel a lack of presence, but yeah. thanks for jo- thanks very much for joining us anyway. And catch us next week to review Napoli and look ahead to. I can't even think who we've got, but but do join us anyway. Thanks. Cheers. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red Channel.